0: We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today, and we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Praise the
1: Lord this morning.
0: Come on.
1: Come on. Let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Look at somebody beside you before you're seated and say, You got to breathe. You got to breathe. Well, you can, you can be seated at this time. God is so good. Amen. I am thankful for what the Lord is doing. I am praying for a lot of people. I know uh, Middle Tennessee is underwater right now. Uh, if you hadn't heard about that, there are several counties, several churches have been flooded out. and. Uh, uh, my cousin's church, they were, he, te- he gave me a call last night. He's in a little town called Aaron, Tennessee, and they were uh, about inches away from the water being through their sanctuary. And so I'll, I want you to, to remember all of these that are, several lives have already been lost houses, homes. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, and we need to pray for that. I'm excited about where we're headed today. We have, uh, we had our our last sermon in the series, uh, Questions, last week, and we're beginning a new series uh, this week and uh, entitled Unseen. And we're going to be talking about this for the next little bit as we move, navigate through those unseen things in our life, the unseen things. Uh, enemies that we seem to face is what we're going to concentrate on today and so uh, this is where we're going to kind of lead through and and talk about um, I want to to open up with just uh, Ephesians 2 verses uh, 2 through 3 which says uh, in which you were once uh, in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom all uh, once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body Body and the mind, and we're once, uh, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of the world. And then I want to go back to Ephesians six, or forward to Ephesians six twelve, which says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places." The Apostle Paul is talking about some unseen things. He is beginning to reveal to us that there is more to this walk with Jesus than maybe some of us realize. That there there are unseen forces at work that a lot of times the average christian just isn't aware of or doesn't want to be aware of and they kind of fall into these unseen enemies that attack the soul and so uh, the desire over the next few weeks is that we're going to undergo a few talks about the unseen in, in this first sermon of this series. I want to talk to you about the unseen enemies of all of our souls, things that we kind of step into, things that come against us that we don't ne- necessarily acknowledge. The Bible's very clear through many scriptures that we are battling not against flesh and blood. But I want you to understand there's a misconception of what Paul is teaching in Ephesians chapter 6 where people are saying, well, then our battle is not flesh and blood. Our battle is always the devil. No, he goes on. That's why I read to you verses two, or chapter two, verses two through three, where he says we we battle the flesh also, and so the the fact is what he is referring to in chapter two is that you and I are we will constantly battle this flesh. Everybody, point to yourself. You are our flesh. You will battle this flesh till the day you die. Flesh, our flesh is responsible for a lot of the things that come our way and Paul is pointing that out in the first part of Ephesians but then he goes into this to the latter part of Ephesians the last chapter and he says now we wrestle not against flesh and blood and he's not talking about the personal battle here he's talking about our battle in life itself uh, in, in other words uh, people being manipulated by spiritual forces unseen things unseen powers and so he is showing us in Ephesians the battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit and then he also marries these two subjects in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 where he talks about the battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit. And so we've got to understand that, there, that he is not saying everything is a demon all right? He's not saying everything in your life is a spiritual uh, demon at work. He is saying that sometimes it is just that flesh in you that is rearing up, okay? Because the flesh is a powerful thing, and we will not be free of this flesh till we are either by death or rapture taken into the presence of God. We won't be free of this flesh. This flesh will constantly have its own desires, its own will, and its own way. Now, it is manipulated through spiritual things, and we'll get into that probably a little bit later in the series. But I want you to understand we are we can easily Name the the unseen enemies that I want to talk to you about today. And this is again, this is not an all inclusive sermon. This is just our introduction. Uh, in other words, we battle the the world, we battle the flesh, and we battle the devil. Those are the three areas in which we really battle. The world being uh, in itself uh, other things are are those those temptations of the flesh. In other words, First John two verses fifteen through sixteen says, "Do not be, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father." Is is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. It is not from the father, but is from the world. There are dozens of other passages that deal with the three enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh and the the devil. And and so again, I want to just kind of point out the influence, um, rarely do people really unveil these today. Look, the goal of this message today is for us to pull back the curtain on the unseen things. These three unseen things that are tripping us, up. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to pull back the curtain today. Rarely do people present themselves, uh, and, uh, themselves uh, and, and unveil the Christian heart or the struggle that we have. Uh, one of the things that we try to do in this church is to tell people, be real with your struggle, be real with what you're facing, and be real with what you're going through, because everybody in this room fa- is, is battling something, okay? You are either coming, uh, you know, you're either going into a battle, in a battle, or coming out of a battle, okay? They're, they're, we all go through those things. So we need to be real. The influence of people around us, or the world, does not present itself as an enemy, but as a friend. In other words, Jesus is really clear, and he says, don't be a friend of the world. Why? He says, because the world will present itself as a friend. The world will always come to you uh, to present itself as, as I want to befriend you. I want to, I want to be your buddy. I want to take care of you. But the world uh, will never show you what it's truly up to. Satan doesn't show up announcing his presence and his intent to destroy your life he never does satan is not that's the number three thing satan is not going to come around and show you his master plan to destroy you that is his master plan next week by, by the lord's grace we're going to talk about how we have made satan a cartoon character in our thinking okay and we're going to take that away because he is a real adversary as a matter of fact the bible does not say an adversary walks about it says your adversary You've got an adversary. You've got somebody that is against you. And so Satan rarely comes to us announcing his presence or his plan. He comes through other ways. He is a deceiver. What is the number one power Satan has? Is deception. That is what he did at the beginning, and that is what he's done throughout history, and that's what he tries to do in your life. He wants to deceive you, and he will never reveal his deceptive plan. In other words, he loves to disguise truth, and he tries to sell you into buying something you already had. For instance... Adam and Eve were told, In the day that you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. You are die by the Lord. Satan comes along and he says, What? No, that's not right. He knows if you eat this fruit, you'll be like him. Guess what? They were already like him. He got them to buy into something. Now, they weren't little gods. I want to clear that up. They were not little miniature gods, but they were already like him. They were made in his image they were already like him and Satan says no he just don't want you to be like him and if you eat of the fruit you'll be like him and knowing good and evil and so they bought a lie that had a little bit of truth in it so Satan never comes along with a full idea behind the plan they didn't I guarantee you they did not understand the full ramifications of their actions but yet, once they followed through, Satan's plan was fully revealed. Our fleshly temptations do not present themselves as a destructive old man that is pointed out in Romans 6 that has been crucified with Christ. I believe that, yes, we are crucified with Christ. We, the old man that is in us, that old fleshly man that ruled us, and used to, the sinful man that, that, that was leading us to hell is crucified when we come to the knowledge that Jesus has saved us from our sins. However, did you? who would agree with me that... This morning, that the old man can be easily resurrected if I'm not careful, Amen. Let me just say this: If you, when you're driving, anybody drove through Atlanta lately, the old man tries to come out, does it not? I mean, anybody ever just been having a, a, a kind of a bad day and somebody say the wrong thing, and before you know it, something rears up in you that you've laid down at the cross a long time ago, and you're thinking, "Oh man, where did that come from?" The old man. The old man. Our fleshly temptations do not present themselves as a destruction in our life. They present themselves as something that will bring satisfaction. In fact, there are three shapes these enemies can take in our hearts uh, if we're not careful. And specifically a Christian that is actively serving the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Number one unseen enemy that we're going to kind of unveil this morning is discouragement. We live in a world that is very discouraged right now and unfortunately we live in ch- in uh, 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 there are a lot of Christians that are very discouraged right now that I'm running into. The, they, they, the the pull of discouragement can come from many sources. Number 1, discouragement can come through the source of comparison. If we're not cur- careful as children of God, we can begin to look at our lives in comparison to other believers' lives and because maybe we uh, we assess that they are more blessed than we are, we can begin to get discouraged in our Faith and discouraged in our walk so comparison can bring about discouragement a lack of fruit if you ever looked in your life and you just didn't see the fruit that you wanted to see you just didn't see the you know the the fruit produced that you felt like should be produced in your life and so you're discouraged And you're like i feel like i've really been doing good but i'm not really seeing any progress I'm not seeing anything produced in my life. It can be very discouraging. How about spiritual setbacks of those you are poured into and discipled? This is one I feel like gets a lot of people. I know it gets me. You ever poured your life into an individual and you've, you've really d- discipled them and you've really took them under your wing and you've really seen them making great progress and all of a sudden their life just, they take a, a U-turn and they go right back into an old life of, of destruction. It can be very discouraging. I tell people who enter ministry all the time. And by the way, everybody in this room is called into ministry. Okay? Everybody in this room, you're called into ministry of some kind. God has some purpose for you besides just being an occupant of a seat. He does. But I, I tell people all the time, if you're going to get into ministry, prepare to have your heart broken. Anybody found that to be true? Prepare to have... Do You know, Jesus had his heart broken by those he was discipling. They, they didn't always follow in the, the things that he told them. He poured into these men, and yet one of them betrayed him with a kiss. He poured into these men, and one of them denied him three times in the courtyard. He poured into them, and he didn't always see the results that he thought he would see. They took, they took steps back away from the from what God was calling them to be. It can be very discouraging if we're not careful when we pour it into somebody and they go another direction. Amen. It can be discouraging if we find ourselves backsliding in our own walk with God. Now, I used to believe that backsliding was a once and done event. You know, you, you know, you mess up one and it was over. God was done with you. I've found that backsliding is a process. In other words, it is a stepping away from God and stepping away from God and a stepping away from God till I find myself very distant from him. But I've also found that he is as close as the mention of his name. And no matter how many steps I've taken back, when I call on the name of Jesus, he's right there and he's ready to forgive and love and restore me. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Amen. But it can be discouraging when I look in the mirror and I feel like where I've made no gains, but I've become less like Jesus, not more like Jesus. Or simply it can be difficult seasons in our life bring discouragement. Sometimes we just go through stuff. Sometimes it's not the devil and it's not the flesh and it's not sinful things. Sometimes it's just we're going through life and life is discouraging. Sometimes we're doing all that we can and it's just life discouragement. But whatever the source, Satan can use discouragement to cloud our thinking and make us more vulnerable to temptation or even defeat. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of God, one of the greatest uh, authors in the the New Testament, he got discouraged. Did you realize that? He went through difficult vulnerable moments in his walk with God. In other words, he he went under or or, or suffered physical persecution, disappointments in his ministry, carrying the burden of trying to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. He, He carried a lot of burdens in his life and you know what there were moments when 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 he got discouraged and i believe it was in one of those moments that the spirit kind of brought him to himself and he wrote second corinthians 4 8 and 9 and then also verse 16 where he said we are afflicted every way in every way he didn't say in some ways he says this come at me every possible way you ever felt like life has come at you the devil's come at you everything in this everything just seems to be going wrong he says we are afflicted in every way but i love this he goes into the encouraged, self-encouragement. He says, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So we do not lose heart, verse 16 says, for we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Aren't you thankful for the renewing of the Spirit in your life day by day? Aren't you thankful that the psalmist says his mercies are made new every day? Aren't you thankful today That all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord, and you can leave here renewed and refreshed in your spirit. Amen. So he he went through things, but he says, "What? We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart." So if we're not careful, one of these this unseen enemy of discouragement can take us down. There's another unseen enemy that I found that is attacking people during this time that we're living in in a great way, and that is the enemy of doubt. The enemy of doubt. Satan's fiery dart of doubts are loaded with all types of poison. All types of poison. He's ready to take some of us down with doubt. Sometimes it is doubt as to if we are called into a ministry or not or, or if God is in the place He needs to be in our life or if we are making a difference for the Lord. Whatever it may be, sometimes doubt can come in and it can sting and it can place a poison. Maybe it's we thought we were making progress in our relationships and it's all of a sudden those relationships are crumbling once again. Doubt can come in where we thought God was doing a miracle but now we don't see to seem to see it anymore. It's, it's being clouded by... By doubt in our life, it it can come in. In other words, sometimes doubt, uh, even doubt of our own salvation, or we doubt if we truly believe that Jesus existed. You realize I found some believers because of all that is going on. I found some people that have doubted that, and and, and, and God has had to, to shore them up in their faith. Other times it can be doubt over the steps we've taken forward by faith uh, that, that, was, that God was directing us in the first place. So there's been things in my life when God has said, hey, I'm going to give you a vision and give you uh, something I want you to pursue. And as I pursued it, all of a sudden, you know, the enemy's job is to do what? To contradict what God says in our life. And as he is contradicting the word of God in my life, you know, at first you can fight him off. But after a season, it can get very difficult. Doubt of whether we are pursuing the right purpose or the right vision in our walk with God or our ministry. I'm here to tell you God wants to correct that in us. The answer to every doubt is simply this: using the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. God uses His word in our lives to build our faith. Romans 10:17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of God. I want you to understand this morning that there's a fiery dart that wants to destroy you through doubt, but you can build up your faith by hearing the word of God. What you're doing in this room right now is meant to build you up and to make you stronger. Just like if you're trying to get stronger, you might physically you're going to begin to try to eat right, go to the gym, exercise, pump a little iron, do a little cardio. You're trying to get your physical body in shape. Paul is telling us today, if you want to build up your faith, then you've got to build it up through the Word of God. Look, I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful for, for a lot of things that, that I can do as a Christian, things that excite me, things that encourage me. But when it's the Word of God, there's something powerful that takes place. In other words, faith is like a muscle, and that muscle is exercise by hearing the word of God it gets stronger and stronger and stronger some of us we're starving to death because we only eat the word once a week we come to church and we hear a message and that's it. I'm here to tell you, I wanna challenge you. If you are going through doubt, take doubt by the horns and the way you do that is by hearing the word of God. When you begin to hear the word of God, something will happen in you because I'm here to tell you this morning, how did that? How was the devil defeated? The devil was defeated by Jesus through the word of God. Satan came at him with the word and Jesus came back at him with the word. I want you to give this some thought this morning. Jesus was the word made flesh. So when he was being tempted in the wilderness he could have battled the devil any way he wanted because everything he said was the word of God because he was the word made flesh but he didn't do that so that we would have a reference point to know and to learn how to deal with the devil in our life when he comes at us he didn't do that he didn't just make up something and it defeat the devil which it could have done instead the devil says isn't it written that uh, and Jesus came back and said what it is also written I want you to know this morning there's power when we learn to pray the word of God. There's power when we begin to enact the scripture in our life and we make it real in our life. I want to challenge you this morning if you are battling doubt that you would shore yourself up with the word of God. Let your faith become strong through the word of God. Ephesians 6, 16-17 says in all circumstances take up the shield of faith which which can extinguish all the fiery d- or flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Take the faith and take the sword and do battle against doubt in your life. I'm here to tell you God is ready for some of us to get the victory over doubt. Some of us are doubting whether revival's coming to Tatoooga County. I want to settle it once and for all. God's bringing revival to Tatoooga County but he's coming to, to bring that through not just our declaring it but through the shield of faith being lifted high and the word of God being promoted in our lives I'm telling you church it's time to do some battle over doubt the last thing I want to share with you the last unseen enemy I believe that is killing a lot of people today is the enemy of division the enemy of division is one of the most grievous because in the flesh (laughs) It can destroy us. It can destroy our way of thinking. It can destroy us when we think divisively. No wonder God hates it. God wrote in the Old Testament, I hate divorce, I hate division, is what he was saying. I hate separation. God's plan was never for there to be separation. Do you know it broke the heart of God so severely when Adam and Eve uh, uh, chose their path of destruction that He could not bear the thought to live without them. So at that moment, the plan of God was to redeem them. God hates division. Unfortunately, right now we live in one of the most divided worlds I've ever seen, and it's not divided down the line in the middle. It's split up into pie. It's split up into puzzle pieces. You got this group believing this, and you got this group believing that, and you got this one that says do this, you got this one that says do that. You've got you've got such a divided world. You say yes politically, no. We have uh, uh, the ideology of people is divided. What we think, what we know. Listen, I want you to understand something this morning. Our hope and our salvation isn't who occupies Congress. Come. Uh, uh, the midterms it's not in who occupies the White House in 2024 our hope is found in who occupies right now at present the throne of God I'm here to tell you it is him that has our hope and it's him that we need to look at and it's in him that we need to trust because there's too much division in this world there's division in our workplaces there's division in our schools there's division everywhere you look People are using the, the topics of COVID-19. To, I've, I've seen so much to be vaccinated or not to be vaccinated. And I'm not getting in that argument this morning. I'm just saying it has become a divisive thing in our nation. There's divisive things everywhere we look. But I'm here to tell you, it can't be that way in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, it has been in churches. I have watched division. I, in my whole life, I was raised up in church my whole life my dad was a pastor and after my dad quit pastor and I went away to college I received my call into the ministry I started immediately doing revivals and traveling and preaching and ended up doing a little bit of missionary work so my whole life has been ministry and I have walked into a hotbed of division in more churches than I can count I've seen churches divide over the color of the carpet and the color of the of the of the the curtains in the parsonage I've seen silly things divide the body of Christ, and don't you know Satan rejoices at division? For if he can divide, he can conquer. But I want you to know there is one who has come to end division among us, and his name is Jesus. If we can't unite under the cross, then we don't have anything to unite under. But I want to tell you right now, I do know this. I have been saved by the blood of Jesus. How about you? And I am in him, and he is in me. How about you? And because of that, we have strength. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Haughty eyes. What's haughty eyes? That confidence that you have in yourself. Come on. That you're going to get yourself through it. I know how to make right decisions for me. Oh, God help us. A lying tongue. God hates liars. He does. He hates a lying tongue. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I can deal with somebody that tells me the truth. I have a tough time with lying. Don't you? I have a tough time with lying. Tell me the truth. Well, it might hurt you. Lying's going to hurt me worse. Amen. What's another thing? Hands that shed innocent blood. Everybody in this room says, well, I'm done with that one. That doesn't apply to me. I haven't shed any blood. I'm good. Let me just Let me just elaborate on this. Jesus said what? Said, he said, do not murder. Jesus took, In the Old Testament, Jesus took it to a higher level in the, in the New Testament. He says, if you hate somebody, you've already killed them. If we're not careful, we'll shed innocent blood. If we're not careful, we will, we will attack those that don't deserve to be attacked. A heart that devises wicked plans. In other words, what does He ha- He hates those who devise how to sin. Make an occasion for sin would be later written in the New Testament. He says those who plan out a way to go transgress against God. Amen? If you're trying to get victory over a sinful thing in your life and you're making plans on how you can do it, God says, I hate that. Feet that make a haste to run to evil. Those who love to to join with those things that are going false or those things that are, are, are a lie. Sinful. Verse 19, a false witness who breathes out lies. He can't stand those who try to tear down the reputation of others through lies. Amen? He don't like those who try to rip apart people who are good people and they're making up things about them. Be careful what you buy into. Be careful of social media. I'm just going to give you a disclaimer here. If you ever are reading on your social media and it begins, I don't usually do this, just go away from that. Because they do it a lot. I don't usually say things about that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm going to start screenshotting every time I see one of those. And I'm going to send them all 30 of them. You don't usually do this, but you can write a book about it. Sorry. And one who sows discord among the brothers. Those who love to keep something stirred up. You ever met somebody who loves to keep something stirred up? <laughs> a few years ago, Tina and I, when we were pastors slash youth pastors slash children's pastors, that's what we did when we first got here. We took a group of kids, and we had one particular kid with us who loved to stir up the stink. Come on. We pulled her in our room. We began to talk to her and said, I looked at her, and I said, I love you. You know that. She said, oh, I know you love me, Pastor Phil. I said, then quit stirring the stink. What are you talking about? Well, I told her what I was talking about. And she sit there, how did I know all that? Because guess what? I got ears. I got eyes. Stop stirring up division. What is he saying? Bring peace to those situations. Uh, the, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Do you know what? It literally translates, blessed are the problem solvers. Don't be a part of the problem. Be a solution. Amen. I have, I have changed my whole view since studying out that passage. And I've been saying, God, help me be part of the solution. Help me be part of of the solution to the problem. Don't let me add to that problem. But Proverbs uh, 6, 16 through 19 says, these are the things that God hates. How sad that Christians who hold the same doctrine and proclaim the same truths are at each, one, each other's necks and they are all constantly belittling one another. A lot of people, look, we are to call out heresy according to Jude 3. We are to call out false teaching according to Titus 1 and 3. We are to make those things known. We are to warn people when there are false truths and false teaching being shared. But I'm here to tell you, we are never to do it to try to destroy the one. We are there to do it to try to restore them. I do not, look, there there's a lot of false teachers in this world right now. I watch some of them on TV where they talk about things that have nothing to do with the Scripture. It's just an inspirational talk. My prayer is not God destroy them. My prayer is God somehow restore them. Sometimes they've got a beautiful platform that can be used to turn people to Jesus if they'll just get on the right track. So I pray for them that God would restore them. Amen. In other words, our, our goal should be to see God moving and working in the body of Christ. Division hurts. It hurts the people involved. It hurts churches that become distracted by it, and it hurts the young people who are watching and thinking, "Hey, this is not supposed to be that way." So they leave church altogether. One of the number one reasons, according to uh, Tom, Throm Rayner, that that young people between the ages of 16 and 26 have left the church is because number one, they call it, they, they believe it's irrelevant to what they're going through today, and number two, they have watched so much backbiting and hurt and pain, they don't, they begin to doubt that why is it even there. So they love Jesus. Now I want to make that according to this survey they love Jesus but they don't love the church because they're tired of seeing the the division and divisiveness wow wow church we got to fix that you say oh is there a lot of division and divisiveness in our church I don't think so I I really don't I think we're in a good place right now but we need to work hard to keep it a good place amen and one of the things we got to do is quit taking his side her side but what do we need to do we need to take God's side amen God's side. Now I want to share this with you. Division also comes uh, unfortunately through fleshly pride. This is why God commands us to go to one another when something comes up in Matthew 18, 15. Talk it through, pray it through, get it right before it festers into something that is more dangerous. Guy traveled with Brian Van Dievener. We were college roommates, and he got a spider bite, and the spider bite was pretty ugly at first and we got it in our minds that we could fix it. So we did surgery. And Brian ended up in a bigger mess than, even, than, than to begin with. Because, and when he said, man, that what we did made it worse, I said, well, you're the dummy because I'm not a doctor. Oh, I was a good friend. What are you saying? If we leave it alone and we don't, don't get the attention it needs, it's going to fester. Folks, that's for somebody in this room. You, you, if you've got a relationship issue or you've got a work issue and you leave it alone and you don't try to fix, you, you eventually, it will fester into something worse. In other words, be a sol- part of the solution, not part of the problem. I want to tell you right now before we, one of the most divisive things we have today is our political system. And it has creeped its way into the body of Christ where people are saying, well, I'm this and I'm that and I'm I'm a liberal, I'm conservative, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican and I want to just share a word with you today that the Lord spoke to me this week uh, as I was praying and I want you to hear this with some love. I know it's going to shatter some of your opinions of me and it's going to shatter some of you but I want you to understand today that God is not a Republican. I want you to understand today that God is not a Democrat. I want you to understand today that God is not a liberal and God is not a conservative God is God and God does not hold the counsel of the world. He holds his own counsel. And I'm here to tell you this morning we need to be seeking God and quit looking for the answer in other places. The division that is among the body of Christ and again I mean as a whole where people look I am so sick of of, of, of churches that, that they won't work together because they're ac- afraid of who will get the credit. Who cares? Who cares? I don't care who gets the credit. I want Jesus, well, I do care. I want Jesus to get the credit. Amen, don't you? I want the Lord to get the credit. Galatians tells us this, that we while we cannot control the actions of those who stir division among us, we can control our response to, those, to, to that. In other words, Galatians 3, verses 12 through 14 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in harmony. What are you saying? We cannot control people who want to be divisive at our workplaces or at school or even in church, but we can control our reaction to those. A few years ago, many years ago, when I was young at this church, we began to institute some changes, and and you know, change is not a comfortable thing for churches. Churches get caught in a rut. They want to do their, their, the way they've always done it, and so after a few years of realizing the way we always done it was failing miserably, we decided it was time to do some things different, and as we began to do some things different, there was a few that didn't like that, and one individual, they decided they were going to call a lot of our elderly people and tell them how bad I was and how awful I was. and how I was going to destroy the church with my new thinking and so uh, you know that kept going on well one person called me and they said pastor well you know we love you and we're just a little tired of hearing all of the negative talk from this person and I said well I'm gonna tell you how you handle that next time they call you you tell them this pastor Phil's a man and he's not going to get everything right that's why the Bible tells us to pray for our pastor so let's do that right now can you join with me and let's pray for pastor Phil that God would use him and direct him and guide him as he leads this church because I believe that he really does want to serve the lord and do the best he can and we need to pray for him as the bible instructs us she shared that with that individual when they called her and sure enough they had to go they just hung up the phone they said well i need to go what are you saying our response to divisive things does matter and we we need to respond is not in our own thinking but biblically Biblically, and when we respond to divisive things biblically, I'm here to tell you, God will begin to bring healing. God will begin to bring restoration. And there is something amazing when we begin to see that these unseen enemies that mine out our, and attack our souls and creep in a, a, into our lives, when we begin to address what they're doing, something amazing begins to happen. God begins to take over. The Holy Spirit begins to move. And people begin to get their lives where they need to be with the Lord. I want to see revival in this county. I want to see a move of God in our community and beyond. And I believe it is coming without a shadow of a doubt. I believe God showed it to me 20 years ago, plus, 20 plus years ago when we first moved here. God gave me a glimpse of what he was bringing to Chatuga County and I have held on tight to that because he is not a liar. He has spoken truth. And I'm here to tell you there's been ups and downs and there's been times when it looked like it was never going to happen. But I'm here to tell you my God is faithful and true and I'm not listening to what the world is saying. I'm focusing on what God is saying in this hour because I'm here to tell you, there is coming a time and if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity to get on board with the program. To get on board with what God is doing. Because God is about to do some amazing things. Jesus is still the King of Kings. Will you stand? There are unseen enemies at work. The unseen enemy that is trying to tear apart what god is doing discouragement doubt and division it's working in your life on every level discouragement doubt and division but it's time for us to bring those things to jesus as you're here in this room right now, I just want you to begin to think about those things. And I want you to, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Now, for those of you that are new in our congregation, I'm not a grab you by the hand and pull you to the altar type preacher. I just don't do that. I've, I've never found a positive effect of that. But I am a challenge preacher, and I'm going to challenge you today. So if you're here while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, they begin to play a little music, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to challenge you. If you're here today... And you're battling discouragement. You're discouraged in your walk. You're discouraged a little bit. Look, admitting a discouragement is not saying I'm an awful person. It's saying there's been some things going on, Pastor, I find very disturbing, very discouraging. I look and I see the world and the direction it's went in and I worry about it a little more than I should. I, I, I've, I've struggled with having faith. I've struggled and fear has tried to creep in at times. Pastor, I'm struggling with discouragement. I've, I've seen... I've seen a lack of fruit in my life. I've, I've seen spiritual setbacks in my life. I have even feel like I may have stepped a little further away from God than I need to. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with discouragement. And I, I want you to pray for me. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. You're, you're battling discouragement. A little bit of honesty today will go a long way with you and God. Come on, there's some others. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. You're a little bit discouraged this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. There's some others in this room. You're a little bit discouraged. There's been some setbacks. And you've been battling some things in your mind and you felt the weight of that. God's ready to touch you this morning. Oh, I believe it with all my heart. If you're in this room this morning and you're battling a little bit of doubt, doubting the purpose of God in your life, doubting what is going on, doubting whether there's going to be a move of God in your family or maybe doubting if there's going to be healing in our land, doubting a lot of things if that's you, you're battling a little bit of doubt. Look, admitting that is not sinful. Admitting that, saying, I need encouragement. Paul admitted his times of doubt. We we shouldn't be uh, ashamed of that. But if you're battling some doubt this morning in this room, I want you to slip up your hand and put it right back down. Is there anybody? Come on. Come on. There's some, You're battling some doubt. Thank you. God's spoken some things and it seems like everything's going against it, contradicting it. You're wondering, well, maybe I didn't hear the Lord there. I, I must've, It must have been me in the flesh. It wasn't really God. If you're battling some doubt, I want you to just lift up your hand. Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're in this room this morning and the third thing that you're battling, maybe maybe you're battling division in your life. Maybe your workplace is divided. Maybe maybe your home is divided. Maybe uh, you're suffering in your marriage and there's some division there. It doesn't mean you're headed towards divorce. You just feel a pullback. You feel division there. And you're needing God to bring some hope into your eyes. Some hope into your heart. Some purpose again. Some encouragement in you that you won't doubt that God's going to do what He said He's going to do. That God's going to restore. And God's going to heal. And God's going to do the things He promised. But you've been, been bombarded so long. You, you beginning to doubt that a little bit maybe you're doubting whether real revival is going to take place if that's you I just want you to slip up your hand thank you there's some others there's some others thank you you just a little bit of doubt and what's going on you know that God's been speaking but there's some doubt that's creeped in there's some doubt I want you to know God hears you today God hears you today now I want you to hear me well if you raise your hand I want you if you would just take somebody by the hand this morning will you do that just reach over and take them by the hand and say i need your prayers just that's what you're saying i need your prayers this morning i've been walking through some things god knows what they are god knows what i've been facing and i'm ready to see some some hope in my life i'm ready to see some encouragement in my life i'm ready to see the power of god moving like i know it can in me if that's you just reach over grab somebody by the hand and say will you pray for me right now come on there's some others There's some others. Come on. Just reach over. Grab them by the hand and let's begin to pray for each other right now. Let's begin to pray. If you're comfortable, come to the altar. If you're not, pray where you're at. But if you want to come to this altar, this altar's open. But you're needing that touch from God this morning. I'm telling you, God's ready to do it. Well, I'm afraid of what people will think. Don't worry about people. Worry about God. Worry about God. If that's you this morning, I want you to make your way to the altar. Or pray at your seat, whichever's best. But let's begin to pray for each other. Church, if you're not if that nobody grabbed you by the hand, now take somebody by the hand near you and say, I'm gonna pray. I wanna pray for you. And let's begin to pray for each other as they sing and worship. Let's pray. Let's believe God this morning. If anyone wants to pray, I'll be glad to meet you in this altar. Amen. Be glad to pray with you.
0: We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryanhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.